Welcome to From Under the Rock, a podcast about movies uh, and people who maybe haven't seen them. You yourself may be among that number, and that is why we are here to watch the movie so you don't have to, but you can still contribute to that conversation when someone asks, have you seen this movie? I'm Sawyer Payne. And I'm Ben Wessels. And today's feature, tonight's, as it so happens, as we are, we are recording, but uh, the 24 hours in which you are listening to this podcast, uh, we will be reviewing, watching, and reviewing um, another of my, my very favorite films, Kubo and the Two Strings, a 2016 stop-motion animated film uh, directed by Travis Knight, uh, starring Art, Art Parkinson, excuse me, uh, Art Parkinson as young Kubo, uh, Charlize Theron, Matthew McConaughey, Ray Fiennes, and Rooney Mara. Um, and Ben, you have not seen this movie before. That is correct. I have, in fact, never heard of this movie before. Mm. Um, or I had not until you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm excited. And I also I, you, I knew it was animated, um, and it did feel kind of... Um, high time that we we bring in animated films as they are so often uh, too overlooked in uh, in film spaces. Um, but I didn't. I also didn't know it was stop motion animated, so that's very exciting. It is. I really recommend after after we watch this and after we've 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 done this episode, um, definitely go look at the behind the scenes. It mm. is intensive. I would imagine. Um, but there is a reason, perhaps, that you, you, you didn't hear about it, and that is because uh, while it was critically acclaimed, it was a box office flop. It only barely, um, only by a few million, made made its its budget back. Yeah, I saw that. Like, a budget was like 66, and it made 75 or something, something like that. Something like that. Um, and and if, if you want, we can we can actually look at those numbers when we, when we come back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it just didn't do super well in the box office. Uh, but critics loved it, and a lot of the times I, I take what critics say with a grain of salt because that is very fair. you know it, a, a lot of the times every movie is the number one movie in the world. So yeah, yeah. really, tell me how. Yeah, but perfect um, score on Rotten Tomatoes. The yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, in this case, I think the 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 uh, cr- critical positivity is is well warranted. It is a beautiful film, uh, if simple. Um, I've I've mm. described it to you as a as a film about family. I've described it as meaningful. Mm. The plot is not super convoluted. It is a very simple film. Oh, that should mean that I'll be able to follow it for once. <laughs> oh, give yourself some credit. But, um, yeah, it is, it is certainly a, a, a testament to the simplicity of a story. Um, not necessarily... Convoluted stories are not necessarily better stories. Mm. Let me put it that way. Um, having said that, as I've said, the behind the scenes, the, the the making of the film, perhaps is where that 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 convolution well, was. Yeah. Um, I imagine that's probably the case in any uh, stop motion, any animated film, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like just such an intensive medium. It is uh, oh, to work with. It is, um, but stop motion, perhaps uh, especially. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, you'll know this, and anyone who knows me would know. I'm certainly no stranger to. Uh, to animated films that were critically acclaimed and very beautiful films that were uh, ignored by their studios when it came to marketing and mm-hmm. thusly did not perform as well as perhaps they could have. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't. I actually don't humble. seem to recall this film being particularly well marketed. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I forget how I became aware of it, but I, I. That's what I'm saying. It's like I never like. There's a lot of movies out there that like I hear of once or twice in passing, and then it like comes back, and it's like, oh right, that movie. Yeah, I was mm. maybe gonna see it, and then didn't, and then it you know quickly disappeared into the ether of my brain. Yeah. Um, but this is one that I just didn't hear about at all, which mm-hmm. is very surprising given how many um, like very well respected actors are in the cast. Yes. Yes. Uh, it doesn't sound like a movie you wouldn't hear about. Mm-hmm. And yet, here we are. Yeah. So this, uh, this should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, any further thoughts before we pop on off and watch this damn thing? Um, I don't think so. All right. Let's do it. Get your popcorn. Let's go. Kubo! Kubo! Can you hear me, Kubo? <gasps> Your village is burned to the ground. Your enemies aren't far behind. We need to go now. You have questions, I can tell. Who? You get three. Why only three? Okay, that was your first question. What? I don't understand what's happening. This is the beginning of your story. Your family is very powerful. Your mother used her magic to save you. Kubo, run! And bring me to life. What are we gonna do? We're going to find your father's armor. It's the only thing that can protect you. Many years ago, I was cursed. This great adventure is my destiny. Your magic is growing stronger. You need to learn control. Show off. (laughs) My father's fortress. This way! Claim your birthright, Kubo. Give this story a happy ending. If you must blink. Do it now. Do you want a moment, or should we just jump right back Let's in? Let's jump right the fuck back in, then. Uh, all right. Oh, uh, friends. How you doing? Countrymen, <laughs> beloved <laughs> listeners, if you cannot already tell, this is a movie that affects me deeply. Uh, as I, I was telling Ben, um, as we were wrapping up, I don't often cry at movies and this is not a, a matter of you know toxic masculinity or what have you I just don't often do it but this film gets me every single time I could rail about it for hours but before we go into the summary Ben initial thoughts if you please uh, I mean I just I just thought it was a gorgeous movie I mean you know visuals first off were stunning from start to finish yeah um, I, I I do want to go into the visuals a little bit more 
as we go. Sure, um, sure, sure, but sure. and I, but I don't, and I, I have a, I have a couple comments on the visuals that are not, not, uh, not criticisms of the visuals in this movie, just of stop motion in general. But I don't want to get, I don't want to sully my initial impressions with, with those. It, sure. it was, it was, it was a very, as you said, like simple and beautiful story. The visuals were stunning. The music was stunning. Um, uh, the, the the credits sequence was was mm. stunning. I yeah. I I you know we'll get there, but it I I enjoyed the movie start to finish, and then we watched the credits roll, and there was a moment in the credits that I said to you, I, I was just I it it blew me away. Yeah. I, it was something I've never seen before, in like in the actual like. You know, from when the lights go down to when the lights come back up at the end of the movie, I've never seen this sort of thing done in the actual edit of a movie, and I just—it yeah. was really that was especially beautiful to me. Uh, um, and I, I, I will say, dear, uh, I will say, dear listeners, um, it is not a post-credit scene no, as such. This is not setting no. up anything. You don't and have it, to sit through the entire credits yeah. part either. It's it's part of like the the cinematic like you know art panels with names over them mm-hmm. part of the I, I guess it's not part of the summary so I'll just say there, there's a bit where they they're, they're showing all these different images from the film and characters and all these beautiful like you know art backdrops to the much credits much as you might any film um, yeah. and then one of those art backdrops you see is one of the one of the monsters that the heroes face in their journey and then we pull back a little bit and we see um, you know sped up 500 times, uh, you know, live action humans uh, moving around and zipping around. It, it, it's, a, it's a time lapse of this one particular model being worked on by the actual artists. And this, this movie was so much about, like, you know, you know, art and beauty and, and, and especially storytelling mm-hmm. and the importance of storytelling. And I just, I loved that in that moment they pulled back and they actually like showed us the storytellers themselves on screen like you know I, I think most if not everyone in this industry who isn't a callous cynic can agree that <laughs> animators in all of their shapes and sizes never get enough credit it's true for the work that they do so that it's was true. just something that was incredible to see like actually on the screen and just that like as much as everything else in the movie did as well, that moment maybe moved me the most of any of it because it, sure. it really they were really putting um, I don't want to say putting their money where their mouth is because that's that's too much of a cliche but they mm. they really kind of like were it, it was a moment of the movie just kind of and the people who made the movie living by the story and the 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 moral that they were trying to preach to the audience like yeah look at the storytellers they're they're so important mm-hmm. look at all the hard work they're doing i, don't, I just it was i think it, was, it mostly was probably just because i'd never seen anything like that before yeah. it just kind of stunned me um but yeah a great great little movie not not too long very like easy and digestible and yeah, just I'd say it's one of those those I've I've I've, I've seen this. I believe I, I I came across this particular phrasing, um, as it related to Avatar: The Last Airbender, not not the um, M Night Shyamalan: The Last Airbender movie, but the the show proper, the cartoon. We don't speak of that abomination. <laughs> Strike it from the record. Um, but 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 this is a movie. Uh, and again, I I, I saw this phrasing. 
as it related to Avatar, but it, it, it applies here. This is a movie that is accessible to children, but is not childish. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's childlike, child-friendly, but not childish. Anybody can watch this, and anybody can take anything from it. And so, uh, I think for lack of a better segue, shall we get into the story itself? Please. Then I will start with the opening line of the film. Mm. If you must blink, do it now. We start this film... Uh, as as Kubo, Kubo is the narrator of the story. Although there is no specific narr- there, hmm, let me rephrase. There is no ongoing narration for the story, but but it starts as though he is telling you the story, um, which I think is very very accurate, which is very filling, fitting. Mm. Excuse me, uh, and filling emotionally, <laughs> spiritually. It it, it, it it seems like it may have filled up a certain void. You know what? It did. Um, At least for the evening. Yeah. Um, and that is a phrase that we come back to. I love a rule of three. We do come back to it twice more. We did, yeah. Um, and this is the first time. Uh, if you must blink, do it now. And he goes on to, to tell you that... Um, if you remember everything he says, if you forget even for a moment, the hero will, sh- will surely perish. He sets it up, uh, much like he will later, and we'll get there, for the audience. He is telling you a story. The first image is of the moon. The great big moon at sea, uh, way, way out in the ocean. Uh, and a boat, a small boat, a canoe, we might say. Uh, little, little more than a, than a single passenger boat mm-hmm. um, with a woman uh, in the boat she has on her back a bundle the bundle has uh, emblazoned upon it a beetle and I say this because it will be important she faces down the waves of the sea like Moses of old <laughs> and parts the water so to speak with and I, I only halfway through the movie did I realize I don't actually know the name of this instrument. Ah, it I, is a shamisen or shamisen. Do you know? Do you know? Is it shamisen or shamisen? I believe it's shamisen, but shamisen? I, don't, I don't know for certain. I'm just going based on an uh, educated guess. Okay, um, correct us if we're wrong because we are silly sometimes, often. Um, but it is, a, it is it is a shamisen. It is a two-stringed instrument of Asian design. Um, I don't exactly know its country of origin, so forgive the generalization there. I believe it's Japanese. When I looked it up, I believe it said it was Japanese. Is it Japanese? Because, um, yeah, because I was writing down in my notes, I was like, it's it's kind of a, a banjo-esque instrument, mm-hmm. but it, but it very much of an a similar to a banjo, uh, but in, you know, obviously... First of all, coming having come first, and uh, also yeah. being in, in of East Asian uh, origin. Um, the the do we call it the head of the instrument? What's what's the? Oh, sorry, uh, Chinese in origin. Chinese in origin. Thank you. I believe the the name shamisen might be Japanese, but the instrument originated in China before making its way to Jap to. And Japanese it's a beautiful source. instrument. I really I really do uh, love listening to to that kind of music. Um, but yeah, yes, you, you you mentioned it is it is banjo-like in origin in that the um, the 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 neck has two strings, but the the head of it um, 
I mean, it is hollow, isn't it? Like a guitar or anything it, like that, but it's it, got that. It is that, hollow, that piece. but there's there's no uh, there's no hole in the right. body of the instrument to let the the uh, sound from the strings resonate into the body. Mm-hmm. It it has that closed uh, um, drum head almost yeah, that like yeah. a banjo has. Okay. Uh, and so she 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 faced with the, the the tide, faced with the great primordial water, uh, faced with the elements. Uh, raises up her hand with the with the the the, the, the pick uh, in in her hand. It it glows. She strums once, and as I say, like Moses of old, uh, the water parts, uh, and 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 she is able to pass through. So immediately you know, you are not just in any story. You are in a story in which magic, even if it's not well, it is called magic. It is magic. Yes, yeah, in, in the film uh, exists. This is this is a magical film. And we cut then to... If I can just, just interject real quick. This is something that I don't think we've seen too often. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we've seen it a couple other places. But like just the idea of music as magic. Yes. was very, I, I thought, very like just beautiful. And, and something, that, something I'd never seen executed well before, anyways, mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, so I like that a lot. Yeah. But please continue. No. Um... In the very next scene, you know, she's she's washed up on the beach, and we realize that in because we hear we hear the crying, we hear the wailing, we we realize that inside the bundle is not just her provisions or 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 supplies for the journey, but perhaps the most important reason for taking this this dangerous journey uh, across the sea in the beginning, she has a child. This is her baby. This is Kubo. This is the the, the titular Kubo uh, of the two strings. Um, again, wrapped in wrapped in this 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 um, rucksack, if you will, with a with a with a beetle emblazoned upon it. This will become important later. And uh, as we get to know Kubo and his relationship with his mother, we see that uh, they live in a cave. They live far away. Well, not. F- too, too far away, but on the outskirts of town, of a, of a very small village. And very, very quickly are the details of their sort of reason for being there established. This is not something that is, is, is discovered. I mean, there is discovery as we go, but this is not something that you know, Kubo is hesitant to talk about or that, that the, the mother is keep it, that, that mom, mother, is, is keeping from her son. From what she tells him, grandfather stole his eye and he wants the other one. Um, she has uh, a, a, a small monkey idol that when she is um, lucid, because she is catatonic a lot of the time, uh, Mr. Monkey is kind of how she imparts her lessons. Uh, unto Kubo. Um, or, well, I, I would say not necessarily catatonic, but s- certainly suffering from amnesia. Like... Of, of, of a sort, yes. This is, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Amnesia is a, a, a good term for like, it. Because, like, she's still responding, but she's not... She doesn't... She... she it, it is... She is catatonic in a sense of, like, she's not fully there. Like, she's not present in her own mind. But... Correct. But, yeah. Um, 
she's she's still awake. She's still speaking to Kubo. I, I think. I mean, it probably you know uh, is reminiscent of some like some very real and difficult struggles that some people have yeah. with memory loss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and watching loved ones go through that sort of thing. I suppose um, catatonic is the wrong word. It, it, yeah, it is closer to to an Alzheimer's almost, yeah. or 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 other such memory affecting um, diseases. But in the moments that she is lucid, she is so alive, and 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 so present. It's 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 not just a a, a moment of clarity and then we're gone. She can go for a couple hours. Uh, as as we'll see as the story go, as 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 the the sort of first act goes on, um, a lot of the stories that Kubo knows come from her, and on the subject of stories, Kubo is, for lack of a better term, the breadwinner of the family, because he journeys down from their their cave home every day to the village, and he's a panhandler. He is able to use the. Um, he's a busker. He's a busker, baby. He's able to use the shamisen uh, and its magic, this very same shamisen that we see in the first scene, to bring paper to life. Origami theater, if you will, uh, as he tells this story. And again, we get the second uh, iteration, the second utterance of. If you must blink, do it now, as he invites the people to listen to his story. And they are more than willing to listen to his story. He does this every day, and this is, a, this is, this is better than dinner theater for them. This is great. And I thought it was very, I thought it was a wonderful thing that the person who calls him over and says, Hey, Kubo, over here, the person he might deem his best friend in the whole wide world is another beggar woman. Mm-hmm. Um, who isn't named, unfortunately, and I think she deserves a name, but she she treats him as she would a nephew or a grandson or a or anything like that. She is so inviting to him, um, and and so uh, again, it's it's it's. I know it is it is maybe a trope for the poor beggar character to be lighthearted. In their misery, but she is, and and whatever other struggles she may be going through, and I do not doubt there are many. She sees Kubo, and her world lights up. I think I think they are to each other. A bit of balm uh, in in the in the wounds that the world creates for them. Yeah, she she's very sweet. She's I mean, you wonderful. mentioned Avatar: The Last Airbender. She yes. gave me a big Uncle Iroh vibes. Not surprisingly, a little bit. Like Uncle yeah. Iroh when when he and Zuko are like on the streets in the, the Earth Kingdom. Like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That kind of bit. Yeah, the 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 unrelenting uh, good attitude, the good humor. Um, yeah, and and sort of and yeah, the way that she looks as him looks at him as very much. And maybe this is. So, something that is perhaps missing mm-hmm. a little bit from Western cultures, but she and others, but she first and foremost, more than anyone else does, certainly embodies that idea of it takes a village, and that yes, that idea thank you. of like. I'm glad you bring that up like, because we will come back to that. But yeah, continue, please. Yeah, absolutely. This, this idea of like, you know, every member of the village is important down, to so every other forget. member of the village, and is every other member of the village's responsibility, like. Just this idea of it being, of a community being a family. 
yes. Oh. And family is a central theme of this movie. A rather important one. Absolutely. And so as Kubo comes to this town, as he prepares to begin his day, um, sun up, etc., uh, she makes a little little quip at him that we uh, we will interpret as as uh, well not interpret but th- there will be a reason for it. She makes a quip. You that will you will catch the foreshadowing when it happens. She asks him, "Are you going to finish the story today?" And he doesn't answer. But as uh, in in this montage, he creates the. The story of this 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 paper samurai, this Hanzo, this 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 Hanzo, as we all know, the most edge lordy character from Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. I have not played Overwatch, so forgive me, but um, no, he's but fantastic. yes, I'm kidding. But he 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 tells the story of his paper samurai Hanzo That's fights, and, and and he lays out the plot of this movie again, and and, and forgive my peeking the mic there with the slapping of my my leg there. Um, In much the same way that Homer or Shakespeare might lay out the plot of the play before you, so too does Kubo. Because Hanzo is fighting the Moon King, trying to reclaim three pieces of armor that will allow him to defeat his heavenly foe. And these items are, in, in, in just wonderful naming fashion, the sword unbreakable, the breastplate impenetrable, and the helmet invulnerable. The cow is white as milk, the cape is red as blood. The... Oh, to go to the sorry. festival. Yes, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Exactly. Um, and and what I love so, so much about, about this is, as I said, it's better than dinner theater to them. Everybody, every, and I do mean everybody, from the youngest child to the oldest adult, the minute he strums that instrument, heads turn and they're ready to go. And, and what amused me, Ben, I think, is the people most engaged, the people most willing to play along, the people most willing to be like, oh, wait, no, 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 I know pick this me, part of the story, me, pick me, me. Yes. Yeah. are the adults. Yeah. That is so sweet. It's right? so nice. Oh, it was so, so heartwarming. Because kids, like, I love kids. I do. I don't want them, but I love them. Mm-hmm. And I love it when kids are like, oh my god, I know this part of the story. It's my favorite part of the story. But to see adults give in to their... The the the, the child in Yeah, to, to, to just give in to their inner child and invest so in a story. Like, to it, you know, that's, I mean, that is, that's what we all hope for, right? Yeah. It's what we all dream of is stories that make us invest as earnestly and honestly as we did as, as, as children. Yeah. Really, truly. And so he tells the story over the course of the day. And it does take all day. He is, he is there with crowd, rapt and attentive, as he just conjures monster after monster after monster for Hanzo to face as he, as he, as he claims these, these uh, pieces of armor. And then at last, Hanzo comes face to face with the Moon King the great antagonist. And then, bong! The bell in town rings. It is time to end the market day. And at fir- and, and, and that bell will be important later. And that is something I'm telling you now as a spoiler. Oh, because on first on viewing, that. yes, on first viewing, I didn't get it. Hmm. 
I won't tell you what it is now, but that second that that bell is so important. But that bell ends the day. The sun is descending, and Kubo says he has to go. He ends the story, and everyone's like, "No! You, every story needs an ending. Come on, come on, come on! Like why, why?" As the beggar woman, his friend had suggested. Excuse me. I've been drinking, friends. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm emotional about it. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Anyway, as the beggar woman had said before, are you going to finish the story this time? And he doesn't. Because he can't. He needs to get home. And we don't know why until he does get home. He gets home and he sees his mother. His mother is lucid as the sun goes down. Um, and she greets him. He greets her. He's delighted that she is present. Not just that she's there, but that she is there. Mm-hmm. That she is whole or as whole as she can be. And, and she sees him. And as they make dinner, she tells him the same kinds of stories. And it is revealed, not only is she telling him the stories that he then tells the good people of this town, but these stories are true. Hanzo, the titular samurai, is his father. Is Kubo's father, I should say. The Moon King is his grandfather, her father. And that he will stop at nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing to claim Kubo's other eye. And I say this realizing I did not mention this at first. When we first catch an infant, uh, 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 when we first catch a glimpse of the infant, he is missing an eye. He is bandaged, and now Kubo wears an eye patch. You mentioned that he that he. Well, you mentioned that the there was an the grandfather had stolen his eye. Yes. I don't know if we mentioned the eye patch, but you mentioned. But that but it, Kubo wears an eye patch. Kubo has one eye. Did not have both eyes. Correct. And um, as Kubo is asking his mother, what was my father like? She tells him, well, he was brave, he was strong, he was, he was a warrior. And then he stops her and he says, no, 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 no. What was he like when he wasn't fighting, when he wasn't a warrior? And she says, well, he was brave, he was strong, he was funny, he was like you, he was just like you. He was darn handsome, too. And as Kubo presses her is perhaps the wrong turn of phrase, but but asks for more, asks for more details. Again, she is lost in her reverie. Again, maybe the wrong term, but lost in herself. The, the lucidity fades, and she is again wandering within the vast expanses of her mind which clearly are quite vast she is a being of great power great knowledge and great history when you hear the sound turn the page <laughs> um god do you remember those books i do remember those books those, yeah or yeah those, those little children's books are like when you hear the sound la 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 turn the page yes i do um Man, I'm telling y'all right now, if y'all didn't grow up in the 90s, you missed out. Yeah. <laughs> but. I'm sure every generation feels that way. But. but 
she does tell us before she fades and, and, and in the context of this conversation that Hanzo died protecting Kubo and her from the Moon King, his grandfather, and her sisters, his aunts. The Moon King stole his eyes, stole his eye, singular, excuse me. So he must stay hidden after sundown because nighttime, of course, is the Moon King's domain. And there are three rules by which he must abide if he is to stay safe. Number one, he must keep Mr. Monkey on his person at all times. Mr. Monkey is a small wooden carven monkey. It is a charm. It is a totem. It is, it is a toy. There is some debate over the course of this film whether it is a toy or a charm. Um, but Mr. Monkey is very important. Number two, Kubo must always wear Hanzo's robes. Again, Hanzo being the samurai, Hanzo being his father, with the, be- the, the crest of the beetle clan atop it. Always wear that. That is not explained yet. And number three, as we've established, never go out after dark. That is why he leaves the village, and that is why he does not go out at night. The next day, all of this having taken place over the course of one day, we get to... <laughs> The festival, quote-unquote, the festival. We don't, it, it, there, there is no holiday named, but the closest thing that I think I can, I can equate it to is the Day of the Dead, the Dia de los Muertos. It is, it is a, it is, it is similar to the Dia de los Muertos. It is, if you've ever seen Tangled, it is akin to the, the, the lantern ceremony. Um, and forgive me, I am a uh, white man from Boston, now living in California. I am not as cultured as I should be, nor learned in the same. But I, I, was, I was over here being like, should I correct his pronunciation? And then I was like, no, I shouldn't because I'd probably get it wrong too. Dio de los Muertos? I, I mean, is I that not what it is? I don't know. It sounded a little. Forgive me, I'm slurring a little bit. It sounded a little funky the way you said it, but I, Dio again, de los Muertos. I don't know if I uh, would, would have any better estimation. Uh, but it, I, I agree. It, it did give me vibes of that kind of celebration. Uh, I did, I, I was uh, reminded kind of tangentially of uh, Coco uh, by, Coco, by, yes, by yes, early yes, parts yes, yes, of, this, yes. of this movie. Um, mostly specifically that the stuff that takes place in the village in those first couple days that we see him in the, the village. So yeah, it's, I think it's an apt comparison. Sure. Yeah, it's not the, the most accurate comparison. I'm sure there are actual ceremonies celebrated in um, Asian cultures such as they are. Um, that I don't know about and am woefully unlearned in. But uh, this is a lantern ceremony. It is, it is, it is a ceremony in which uh, families uh, create paper lanterns, uh, bring them to the sh- to bring them to, to shrines, uh, pray before them, uh, and, and, and invite the souls of those they have loved and lost to join them, if but for a brief time, uh, until they uh, guide them back to the land beyond, the land of, 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 of the dead. Mm. Um, this is a secret tool that will help us later. Yes, it will. <laughs> um, and Kubo, uh, once again returning to town, is told of this. Naturally, he knows. But through Kubo, we are told of this by the beggar woman, 
who says, hey, Kubo, there is still time if you want to partake of it. And Kubo does. Because, and I may just tangent for a moment, one of the best pieces of, it wasn't even really a piece of advice, but it was a question that was posed to uh, us by one of our professors uh, in our, our creative writing classes at Emerson was not just, why are we telling this story? But why are we telling this story now? Time is important. Always important. And so, coming back now to Kubo, having just heard for perhaps the thousandth time a story of his father and how his father died to protect his mother and himself, Kubo now has reached the point where he wants to participate in this ceremony. He wants to beckon the soul of Hanzo. He wants to speak to him. Yeah, He wants a chance to yeah. meet or connect with his father. And sadly, although Kubo does everything right, he creates the lantern, he, he goes to the shrine, he prays, uh, and the details of this are, are cleverly given to us by, as he's watching uh, a father interacting with his daughter, uh, they're they're beckoning their their grandmother. Uh, Kubo does exactly as instructed, and the lantern does not light up. Hanzo does not answer, and he becomes frustrated. He gets angry. He crumples up the lantern uh, over the course of, of of the evening, and then realizes he had given into anger, and this is not the sort of impression that he wants to leave his father with if indeed his father was listening so he he picks up the, he picks up the the crumpled remains of the lantern he apologizes but he had become unaware of the time the sun sets it is now nightfall kubo equals princess fiona is what i that's what i have in my notes really <laughs> sorry like i mean you're not wrong I don't, the I, ogre time is I coming don't, i don't mean to make light of it no but yeah night falls the sun sets mother becomes lucid again she realizes what has happened yeah, but it's too late kubo is in the dark and he is visited by his aunts who look rather appropriately i would say like your classic witch adorned in black i mean their their hats aren't pointed but they are wide brimmed and black they are they are demons of the night sky if you will yeah no they look cool as hell they're great and uh <laughs> the they are there there are two of them two sisters both voiced by Rooney mara um and this is the first time in, I believe it's 11 years. Kubo's 11 years old. This is the first time that Kubo has interacted with his aunts. And they very quickly note that they're not here to hurt him or kill him. They're here to bring him home. They're here because grandfather wants him with him. And all he has to give up is his other eye. I was going to say, yeah, they, they do they do say they want to bring him home, and they do say they don't want to harm him, I believe. But mm-hmm. they also don't hide 
from the fact like that is one thing I liked about this movie I think is that it is very direct in how yes. it addre- it approaches the plot they tell him right up front like they're here to take his eye yes they're yeah they're not playing mind games they are here for a purpose and they will fulfill that purpose yeah. and when Kubo says no it's shadow magic time baby <laughs> and they're not subtle about it this is not a thing that happens in private they chase him with their shadow magic and it is like shadows chasing him through town and it's not an empty town people have not gone home to bed they're not asleep people are very aware that this is happening and they're scared man they really are quite terrified as these shadows chase him but along comes mother again who is not named and I really do wish she had a name there are a lot of characters in this film that I wish had a name but don't necessarily like that doesn't necessarily affect the film I will say in in her case I do believe it was a deliberate choice and I do believe there's a good justification for it what's that justification what would you say we'll get into that a little later okay um (laughs) not to be a tease no 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 you tease no no, good. Um, but so she grabs Kubo's instrument. And as she tells Kubo to fly away, he does. Again, we've established that she is a creature of magic. Even before the introduction of the sisters, we saw this. During the scene with the boat at sea, she can wield magic. And if that weren't enough, then yes, her her affiliation with her sisters is enough to establish that she is not, quote-unquote, mortal, so to speak. She can wield great power, and she does. She engages her sisters. Um, We do not see the fight as it would be choreographed, such and such, but we see her as a being of light, the two of them as beings of darkness, meet in the middle of the screen... They have fought, presumably. And Kubo, I believe at this point, this is when his, uh, the wings happen first, right? Yes. The beetle on the back of his father's robes spreads its wings, and he flies away. And in the very next scene, he is far away. Quite literally. It's called the Far Lands. And he is met by a monkey played by Charlize Theron. And the monkey says, Kubo, I'm here to protect you. Follow me. Over the course of their time together, their first day or so, uh, in this very Arctic-looking far lands, she understands that that Kubo has questions. She won't answer many of them. She's kind of impatient. She's very, very clearly focused on his protection and nothing else. She doesn't have time to talk. She is a creature of action. But over the course of their conversation, Kubo realizes this is Mr. Monkey. Now, Ms. Monkey. <laughs> Oops. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a wonderful. There was a wonderful line in this film where where Kubo says. And I called you mm, Mr. Monkey. And Monkey says, if I'd been alive at that point, 
I might have resented it, or something to that effect. Um, but it's very clear that she's there to protect him, and she tells him as much. Yes, I was the monkey charm. Yes, your mother is gone. Yes, she used the last of her magic to bring me to life, and so you need to do what I say. I should point out at this point that Mother's last words to Kubo were, Find the armor. The stories, while largely fantastical, as I've said, are true. The armor exists. Hansa was trying to find it. And this is what Monkey tells him as they continue. Um... And so ends the first night with Kubo and Monkey instead of Kubo and Mother. Or is it, Ben? We'll get there. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of my point. Yeah. Um, but carry on. Kubo awakens to find Monkey standing over him going, Hey, wake up. There's something weird going on. What's going on, Monkey? There's a weird paper samurai over there. And... Kubo awakens to find that the very same paper samurai he used to embody Hanzo is present and folded and, and, and trying to lead them in a particular direction. And despite Monkey's objections that we can't trust a paper samurai, Kubo notes that we don't have any better ideas. We need to find the armor. I, I do feel a little obligated to point out. Please it is, do. It is actually Monkey who, who makes that realization. Oh, it is. She, she says that, like, this seems like a bad idea, but it's the best idea. Bad idea we have. We'll call it a collaboration. Yes. <laughs> um, and it is a collaboration. But so they continue. And they come upon, as they wander through the, again, the Arctic of the Farlands, having spent the night in the body of a whale, I might add, um... It's very clear that they're being they're being followed by a strange insectoid thing, played by Matthew <laughs> McConaughey. Yes, this character, uh, who we will come to know as Beetle. I feel I mispronounced that Beetle B E E T L E the bug, uh, is an anthropomorphic beetle. Uh, play again, played by Matthew McConaughey, who 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 steals. Uh, Kubo away while Monkey isn't looking and Monkey follows them down into a cavern only for Kubo to say stop he's not trying to hurt me he wants Hanzo he wants the paper samurai and this beetle man thing is so fascinated with the tiny paper samurai this tiny paper Hanzo that he is inclined to reveal he knew Hanzo or thinks he knew Hanzo he doesn't really remember much, but he believes, based on flashes of memory, based on smells or touches or sounds, he believes that Hanzo was his master, that he was a samurai, that at some point before he was what he was, he served a purpose beyond himself. And as such, no, he will not harm Kubo. In fact, the opposite. 
the son of Hanzo, is now his charge. He will protect Kubo with his life. And Monkey, disinclined to trust a person they've just met, does agree that any help is good help at this point. And Beetle and Monkey begin to have a very, very heated relationship in that they are constantly fighting, Mm. constantly fighting over what is best for Kubo. They come to a temple based on the directions of Paper Hanzo. It is filled with bones. Uh, the mouth of the temple looks like a skull. Which gave me some Peter Pan vibes. We love Skull Rock. Mm. But as they make their way through again, they see kind of kind of piercing the hand of a... Uh, it's a big stone, uh, bone hand. Is the sword unbreakable? And they try to take it. And it doesn't work. The hand ascends. It connects to a great uh, bone monster. A massive skeleton monster. That tries to kill them. We should clarify here. It doesn't work. They are able to remove the sword from the bone hand. But then upon the first time it is faced with any semblance of trouble or resistance, the sword shatters. The sword breaks. Oh, yes. Monkey monkey, uh, tries to attack this this creature uh, by saying, I invoke the sword unbreakable. And it promptly breaks. Uh, And we see atop the, the, the skeleton's head are very many swords. But just as quickly uh, is it realized that, no, this was not the Sword Unbreakable. The Sword Unbreakable is up there, Hmm. among those swords. Somewhere. Over the course of this fight, um, if we can call it a fight, it's really more just kind of a don't get killed by the skeleton thing. Um, Beetle realizes he can fly. (laughs) He has wings. He didn't know that before, but apparently he does now. Um... And Kubo is able to save them both, as the skeleton thing uh, has monkey and beetle in its in in its grasp is about to eat them. Um, after very many shattered blades, Kubo is able to remove the true sword unbreakable from the skull, and the magic is vanquished. The skeleton crumbles. It's your classic destroy the control ship. All the droids go down. <laughs> There's no match for droid, guys. Um, I'm so sorry. You're great. Um, and at this point, they 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 are they emerge from this cave, this cavern system, uh, into uh, a more autumnal setting uh, on the very shores of Long Lake. Uh, and again, Beetle and Monkey argue. Do we walk around? Do we cross it? Well, we can't cross it. Long Lake is uncrossable. And Kubo demonstrates his growing power. Again, he is descended from the Moon King. He is descended from his mother. He commands very powerful magic. 
even if he is unsure of how to control it yet. But by the power of his will, by the power of his instrument, he is able to compose or comprise a small one-masted ship out of leaves. And strangely enough, it is um, it is stable enough for them to sail on <laughs> and stand on, which is curious to me. Well, you know, magic. Magic. Uh, but it's good enough for Beetle. It's good enough for Monkey. And so they begin to cross Long Lake until the ship stops. And Paper Hanzo, again, non-verbally, he is a creature of paper, he doesn't talk, indicates that the breastplate impenetrable is here. It is at the bottom of Long Lake. And once again, Monkey and Beetle have one of those conversations about, I know what's best for our child. Doesn't really matter, though. They are talking about the eyes that live at the bottom of the lake. They are talking about all the dangers that it may pose. But Kubo is determined to go get it. Go get the breastplate. So he jumps. He jumps over. And he is... Oh, no. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I don't want to cut Beetle you off jumps here, over. Beetle jumps Beetle over. jumps over. Kubo is the one who tells them. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. My mom used to tell me stories about Long Lake. The eyes that are down there, mm-hmm. if they... If, they'll show you visions. Yeah, if they make con- eye contact with you, they'll show you visions to keep you down there Correct. forever. Forgive me. Uh, it is Beetle who says, don't worry, I got it. Beetles can swim. And Monkey says, really? No memories whatsoever, but you remember that. Beetle goes in uh, as the day wears on. And as night begins to fall... Kubo decides, mm, Beetle's been down there long enough. I'm going to go help him. And Monkey says, no, you can't do that. Kubo doesn't listen, however, impulsive as ever. And he jumps in. And before Monkey can stop him, the sun has set. And we are again visited by a sister. They have split up. They have decided that we're going to cover more ground. We're going to find... Uh, our nephew, we're going to find the Moon King's grandson and we're going to bring him home. Simultaneously, Monkey, with the sword unbreakable, is fighting one of the sisters. Kubo is looking for Beetle. He does not find Beetle. He finds, instead, several weird... It's almost like a beholder. It's like a weird... A little bit, yeah. But if, like, if the whole thing were all I... <laughs> I mean, there is a maw. To be sure. But well, that's like, true. I suppose if it's all one big thing. There is a mouth, it's but a it's very thing. many eyes. That's a good point. Uh, and he that. is hypnotized by this thing. And in the process, as the legend says, as his mother's story had told him, it shows him things. It shows him truths to keep him here. And he realizes the monkey comes from the totem. The totem comes from Mother's magic by the transitive property of mathematics. Monkey is Mother. Beetle shows up again. 
And I should add at this point, he had been trying to teach Kubo to fish, or at least shoot a bow. Which is why he returns with fish in hand saying, I got it! Not the breastplate, he got a fish. And Monkey says, you're an idiot, go save Kubo. And Beetle does. Beetle goes, he returns to the water as the fight with the sister continues. Monkey is wounded in this fight. Uh, but said sister is vanquished, but not before revealing a certain truth of her own. That Hanzo had stolen her sister from the night sky. That she was laid low by love. Yes, Ben. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, th- I just thought you were about to give up the other half of the farm. But I think it's the nope. other sister that, revol- that reveals that part. It is. Yes, the Han- that Hanzo had stolen uh, her sister from the night sky. That it was love, the love of a mortal, that had made her sister, Kubo's mother, so very weak. Mm-hmm. And Monkey, sword in hand, says, No. It made me stronger and vanquishes the sister, validating what Kubo has seen. It it does. It very much does. But also, so I, I I caught the bit about Kubo seeing it, but I, I didn't really fully process it until like Kubo and Mikey had that conversation in a like concurrent scene. So. To me, I, I feel like I almost saw that that line two ways. The the no, the love made me stronger. Yes, it made mother stronger. That's I think the intended purpose of the line. But for a moment, I interpreted it as love made Mister Monkey or made made mm, made mother's totem, creation charm. stronger. Yes. And and I love that idea too even if I guess it wasn't the intended meaning, this idea that no, love makes the things we create and makes our magic stronger. I, I thought either way, yeah. it's, it's a, it was a very... And granted, the, the two different interpretations don't really exist outside of just my uh, dumbass mind because I didn't yeah. get the point the first time around. But, you know, either way, I just feel like it's a, it's a, it's a nice thought. Um. But yes, it does very much validate. Like it is kind of the character confirming what the audience thinks we see and understand yeah. through Kubo's scene, and then it's like, oh yeah, okay, so that was what we saw. Yeah, and that is validated afterward. After Beetle has crawled aboard the ship with Kubo, uh, after the ship is reformed mm-hmm. due to Kubo coming to his magic is keeping all of this together. Uh, after they have returned to land after they have found a place to call shelter for the night. Yeah. Monkey reveals the truth. Yeah, they do talk about it because, yes. you know, as, as you mentioned at the top, like this film is a film, you know, not just for grown-ups, but also for children. It's definitely a children's film that also appeals to adults. But so yes. they, they do reiterate and clarify the point that Monkey is mother. Monkey so is mother, So yes. that, you know, any children and or... Ben's who are watching can follow <laughs> along uh, with with the proceedings. But Monkey tells the story for Beetle and for Kubo. Monkey tells the story of what exactly happened. And 
is she tells the story of love at first sight, so to speak. Or maybe we'll call it love at first fight, because that's what it is. The Moon King, according to her, had become aware of Hanzo, who was a great warrior, who commanded armies, who commanded a fortress. And Hanzo had made it his quest to discover these three pieces of armor, that he might vanquish the Moon King. And being a child of the Moon King, Mother was sent to destroy him. Mother and her sisters, I should add, were sent to destroy him. Mother got there first. And she fought Hanzo. We are given the impression earlier on that Mother was, you know, the most powerful and the clearly like she she three, was yes. the yeah, she was the greatest of the three sisters. But she goes to fight Hanzo. And they and they do. They do. They fight. But eventually, Hanzo stops fighting. And he says to her, you are my quest. And Monkey describes this as a moment of realization that his humanity, his compassion, is alluring to her. Hmm. This is what she falls in love with. It is interesting to me, just because I, I, I do wonder, and this is a bit of an aside, but I do wonder if this is perhaps like a bit of a trope in stories of East Asian origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea of finding love in meeting, meeting one's match in 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 some cases. combat. I, just, I feel like I've seen it in other stories that draw from from those cultures or some of those cultures um hmm. the the first one that came to mind for me was uh, was shang chi ah. uh, because we see that very kind of similar like meeting in combat and but hmm. kind of falling in love through combat um it just kind of reminded me of that a little bit i don't know the other side of this is that she falls in love with his imperfection hmm. yes because she goes on to note as Kubo asks, why does Grandfather, the Moon King, hate me? She notes that he doesn't. He wants you beside him. He wants his family. But the only way you can is if you are blind to humanity, mm-hmm. to imperfection. Yeah, this is part of their conversation in Act 1. Yeah. It's it's about the the blindness to humanity, the leaving humanity behind. Cold and perfect. And yes. and, and that's that's a thing that I think will carry on throughout the remainder of this film, this idea that perfection is not something to be strived for. Hmm. It is cold. It is dead. Monkey was wounded during that fight and it begins to really affect her. But she doesn't want Kubo to be alone again. And it's at this point that Beetle sort of begins to take over a little... Not, not take over, but... Up until this point, he's been comedic relief. With a bit of... 
mentorship and the like. But it's 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 been monkey's game up until this point. With monkey now fading, the magic is fading. Beetle insists that Kubo will not be alone. As we've established, he is the son of Hanzo. Hanzo was his master. And Beetle already has demonstrated he will go to great lengths to protect Kubo. And Monkey is comforted by this. Kubo, meanwhile, is dreaming. He dreams of the Moon King. This is the first time we actually get an image of the Moon King, played by Rafe Fiennes, who incidentally has the very same instrument in his hand. And he's weaving a story for Kubo. And he says, no, no, no. Finish the story. Let the story have a happy ending. And he tells Kubo the last piece of the armor. I should I should note that by this point Kubo has has claimed the breastplate from from the depths of Long Lake. The last piece of armor, the helmet, is in the place that Kubo might have called home. The ruined fortress of Hanzo. And there they go. Is it established in that dream that it is the Moon King? Do we know that? Does he tell Kubo that? I believe Kubo calls him grandfather. Okay. Um, I just wanted to, I yeah. uh, I missed it so I wasn't sure and I just wanted to check yeah there's a, there's a moment where we see that the Moon King is in fact blind or at the very least his eyes are sort of glossed over in a way that implies blindness yeah um, no it's it is it is made clear that this is the Moon King okay. and Kubo knows who he is and so they go to the ruins of Hanzo's fortress there to discover the Moon King was lying or well not lying but a half truth the details of the helm's whereabouts are there but the helmet itself is not instead there to meet them is the second sister and she fights Monkey, she fights Beetle, and she fights Kubo, and reveals another truth. That Hanzo was an insect who stole her sister away, and laughs that Monkey has not yet seen the truth. She has been with Hanzo the whole time. For Beetle is not Hanzo's servant, but Hanzo himself, stripped of his memory and transformed into this Beetle-like man. As punishment, the sister slays Hanzo, the sister slays Monkey. And by this point, Kubo has collected two strings. The titular two strings. The first I failed to mention earlier as he departs from his mother. The only thing he has left of her is a lock of her hair. The second 
is Beetle's bowstring. And using these two items, he vanquishes the second sister. Not, not, quite. not quite. If I may interject. Please. Uh, there were strings left on his instrument, and he uses those. He uses the first one to slay the second sister. He uses the second one to return to the mortal plane. That is correct. Thank you um, for that correction. I, I did really love, I just want to briefly touch on, there's, um, now that they both know who the other is, there's a brief, there's a moment between Monkey, or Mother, and Hanzo, slash Beetle, Beetle. where Beetle is reassuring her that her story will never end. Uh, because our stories live on and are told by all the people that we told them to, and they will tell them to other people. And, and it's just this, it is eventually, you know, Beetle says it a few too many times, and it's played as a bit of a comic relief bit, but it is a very kind of sweet and nice moment of reassurance. No, 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 our stories live on in the people that we tell those stories to. And I just, I, I wanted to note it because it was something I wrote down. It was no. just like... Isn't that exactly why we both got into this business? Yeah. You know? It's oh, that idea of creating something that lives on beyond when you do. Um, and I think the one of the nicer messages of this movie is this idea that even if you don't you know, create something through art or through writing or whatever else, like you do still live on in the people that you've that you've mm-hmm. affected and that you've touched because your stories go with them and they tell those stories to other people. And that is the crux of our final scenes. Kubo returns home to the ruins of his village. The same ruins left behind the first time he was attacked by his aunts. And he finds the people there hiding. But they recognize him. They know Kubo. And he tells them, straightforward, the Moon King will be here. It is nighttime. He's coming. Get to the shrines and hide. He... I mentioned the bell Mm -hmm. at the beginning. The bell that rings, signaling the end of the day. The whereabouts of the helm, invulnerable were revealed in the ruins of Hanzo's fortress. They were revealed to be the bell itself. The helm is the bell. And Kubo is able to claim it by knocking over the post. All three pieces of armor are now in his possession. And he calls up to the night sky, I know you can see me, Grandfather. And Grandfather comes. The same as he appeared in the, the, the dream vision. All white, all spectral. The Moon King. And he once again tries, to his credit, he tries to persuade Kubo that they don't need to fight. They're family. They both want the same thing. And all Kubo has to give up is his eye. If he does, he can he can leave behind the hate and the heartache and 
all the things that make mortality and humanity despicable and join him in the heavens. Makubo rejects him, saying, there is more to humanity than just that. There are wonderful things here, and you can't see them. There's so many stories here. And the Moon King asks him, well, how does this story end? And Kubo, like a child that he is, he's not quite there, says it ends with me killing you. And the Moon King takes him at face value and becomes a big fucking worm, a big fucking snake in the sky. And despite having all three pieces of armor, Kubo is not able to defeat him. Because that's not the point. Might is not the greatest weapon he has. Is it not right? It isn't. As it turns out, sorry, it's not enough. Kubo realizes memory is the greatest magic there is. And that, blind as he is, the Moon King will never be able to look into the soul of another and have that connection. And there is a great moment here where he, now stringless, takes the two strings that he has acquired. The lock of his mother's hair, the bowstring of his father, and plucks a third from his very head his own head, his own hair, and affixes them to the instrument. There are three strings now, two Kubo and two others. And as the, the, the shades, the ghosts, the golden ghosts of those we've loved and lost surround him and surround the village, he plucks one more time. And much like his father before him, meaning Hanzo here, the Moon King is stripped of his power and his memory. He is nothing more now than a mortal old man. And this begins, I think, the moment in the movie where I start tearing up. Where the Moon King, now unaware of who he is, asks for Kubo's help. Could you remind me who I am? I don't remember anything. And the village, you mentioned, takes a village at the very beginning of this episode. Indeed. Comes together and says, I'll tell you all you need to know. And they tell him, he is the nicest, kindest man in the village. He taught this child to swim. He is constantly giving blankets to the poor. He showers young children with coins. He is... A good, kind man. And then he asks Kubo. I'm sorry, I don't remember. But they tell him, you know, this your grandson is a storyteller. He'll tell you all you need to know. And he asks, will you? And Kubo says, yes, I will. And in a very, very 
strange way, in a way that the Moon King did not intend, the Moon King wins. He gets his family. Hmm. Kubo, in a way that he did not intend, wins. He gets his family. But we wouldn't be done if we didn't revisit the lanterns. And Kubo does. And this time he prays not just to his father, but to his mother as well. And he says that, you know, this could be a happy ending. It isn't. But it could be. He wants to see them. He wants to know them as they were. Not just as they were. If that makes sense. As they were before magic had transformed them unrecognizable. And the very last shot in the movie. He gets what he wants. Kubo, his mother, his father. In front of two glowing lanterns. They look at each other. They look at us. And that's the movie. Yeah. Safe to say you like this one. I really like this one. <laughs> Could you tell I'm getting caught up in my emotions and not 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 so much in the actual telling of it. Um but Yeah. I fucking love this movie, Ben. Hmm. I loved it, too. Anything to add? I feel like I've spoken for far too long no. and far too incoherently. No, not at all. Um, I, 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 do, I really loved at the end, uh, in that moment with Kubo and his two parents, or the specters of his two parents. Um, his mother pushes his hair mm-hmm. out, of his, out of both of his eyes now. Um, fully revealing the eye patch I, I it just felt a little notable given that we like his hair has been partially covering the eye patch the entire movie um, it, it almost felt like a, a moment of like you know this isn't something we need to hide anymore this yeah. isn't something that's part of our family's shame anymore or anything like that uh, I don't I don't know I don't know what the intended um, meaning if any was but it did feel like a significant moment and I, I I did think it was very sweet um yeah uh I I don't know that I have much to add I we, we've come to such a happy place I hesitate yeah. to, to to say anything that would sully that um Is there anything? You know what? I mean, this is a, a, a podcast about what we didn't quite like as much as we did. Like, what? Well, you know, I think there is, but I think as so often is the case, we're probably not the right two people to discuss it. And so I think it's probably fine that we just uh, leave it at that. And for our part, focus on how many, many uh, beautiful positives there were in this movie. Um. I will note, 
and I think this is what you're getting at. Um, well, <laughs> this movie did. I yeah. was trying to give us a way to wrap up without going there, but Sorry. if you want to go ahead and yeah, I I, do it I, I would feel a little little like we missed something if we didn't note the film has received some criticism over the fact that it depicts a largely Asian culture, but all of its actors are white. I mean, not largely Asian culture. I would say it completely is. Asian the culture. The entire story is is yeah is rooted in East Asian culture. So not to not to not to wrap up there, but there is a disclaimer there, my friends. I, it was the window was right there. Yeah, we just wrapped up with you know we're not the we're not the right messengers for that message, anyways. And we aren't. But I think I think we would be remiss if we didn't point out the message so that those better equipped mm. could point it out. But beyond that, I think it's a damn fine movie. I was right about the hair. I was very proud of that. Yes. I'm not good with foreshadowing. Uh, but when when he got away with just one of his mom's hairs at the end of Act 1 there, I you was like, that was one of the two gonna, strings. that's going to be one of the two strings for very sure nice. when yep. he restrings this thing. Um, so that was, yeah, felt good about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I mean, I didn't have a ton of notes on this one. Like, like you said, it was pretty straightforward. It is. Um, mostly mostly just summary and reflection, and uh, definitely as, as one that I think was probably, you know, far under-marketed and under-publicized, I would encourage anyone who hasn't seen this movie to, to go and watch it. It's, uh, it's a yeah. really, really beautiful watch, both from a storytelling perspective and also just... Visually, like it, it, it's gorgeous. Like, and I'd recommend not only should you watch it, you should watch it more than once because you will notice something mm-hmm. um, every time. There, 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 there are little moments that you'll pick up on the second or third time watching that you'll you'll not have seen before. Um, and just again, coming coming back to what you mentioned at the beginning of of, the, of this episode, just the creativity that went into it, the real love and process that went into the making of this movie. It was made with a lot of love. Very clearly, these artists and these animators and these writers and just everybody that that, that poured their heart into it mm-hmm. did so because they loved it. And I think above all else, that is that is the message I would I would I would leave you with is this is a story about love. And how it really is the most powerful kind of shit you can you can hold on to in the face of those who are blind to humanity you know mm. <laughs> yeah it's a good film uh, I have nothing more to add, I think. Yeah, I think I'm good. All right. Well, on that note, Ben, thank you for watching this this film with me. Yes, thank you for showing it to me. Um, and dear friends, dear listeners, thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of From Under the Rock. Back down we go, into the depths, into the shadows, uh, to find another movie for you. Uh, but until then, I have been Sawyer Payne. I've been Ben Wessels. And we shall see you next time. Bye.
拜。